0: Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. This should be on the back of a, a very exciting game against Oxford United, but unfortunately it isn't. And we'll come to the reasons why in a moment, after uh, I've welcomed my two esteemed colleagues, Mr Adam Pendlebury and Mr Paul Thorpe. How are you doing, fellas? Doing Very yep. well, thanks.
1: Very well, thank you. Yeah, I watched some horse racing yesterday instead of football. Mm. Hadock Park was
0: on. Uh, I watched uh, the new James Bond movie Oxford United... Cancelled at the 11th hour, literally, 11 o'clock. It seemed a bit strange to me. You would one player down with COVID. You had only one goalkeeper in the squad, apparently. he had quite a few injuries as well and were missing large chunks of the regular first Team 11. Very, very late in the day to be calling it off as well. Unfur on not only Oxford fans who were travelling up, but also we'd at least three that I know of that came from uh, uh, international airports Two from Ireland and one from the USA.
1: I don't know the COVID protocols. I haven't had a chance to have a look through them. For me, the, the, these have been well set now, haven't they, for a long period of time to avoid these type of situations. I mean, obviously, at the height of it, pre-vaccine, you know, they were dropping like flies and matches were getting called off. And, you know, we had one ourselves, didn't we? Uh, Hull City, I think it was, last season. But this is a different world now. As far as I'm aware, I, don't, I can't recall any any others being called off as far as I can remember this season for me I think this is this is more in the category of failing to fulfill a fixture I think we're talking in points deduction land there because otherwise it sets a precedence that you can hide behind your COVID if you're in a position where
0: you,
1: you can't feel the strongest possible side
0: according to uh, the oxford official website though he he said he was in constant negotiations with both Wigan Athletic and the EFL and it was a joint decision if that's true then fair enough one argument
2: been been laid at their floor, at their door of if you knew you, you were only down to one keeper why were you not trying to recruit a keeper during the week the story kind of makes a bit of sense and if they have been in contact with both our club and the EFL along the way and said you know, we've got one test, we're probably going to be all right, but, you know, don't worry about it, we'll, we'll, we'll do a check just to make sure. And I, I think there is a scenario there where they could just take it for granted, be a bit blase, and then suddenly come unstuck when actually they've got a few positive tests and a few lads that are feeling rough.
0: The had permission from the EFL to sign an emergency goalkeeper on loan, sign an emergency loan for the goalkeeper. It seems like they struggled to bring someone in. The only goalkeeper apart from the one who tested positive... Was one of the youth team players, and they said he'd been in close contact with the the goalkeeper who tested positive, and so they were worried about him playing, and they followed protocol.
2: I thought they had seven tests that went positive on the morning, and that was that was why it was so late, because they had one the day before, and they were just like, yeah, it's going to. I I think there's been a, a level of complacency. The bit, yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. The, the sports are Wigan told us that maybe, maybe it might be an issue, but don't worry about it too much. So nobody off the back of that, nobody's put an announcement out early. And it's only on, on the Saturday morning when they suddenly got, set, I think they said it was seven positive tests, that they've suddenly panicked and gone, oh, hang on, we need to call this off. I, if, if their story checks out and is straight, then I think we all just, you know, it's not good, but
0: we all have to accept it. We'll see if the Tuesday game gets called off anyway. That, that'll tell a story. It was the fans forum on uh, Thursday evening, and myself and Adam were there to witness what was a very positive, very positive meeting. Adam,
1: yes, indeed, it was. Yeah, um, you know, re- really good to hear from the different corners of the coaching staff, which was a new angle that we've not really had before at fans forums. You know, like the intricacies and the relationship between the coaches and the players and the the support staff, uh, and obviously Mal was there to. You'll what has been generally a positive picture since they've come in. You know, a few, few little teething problems, as we know about, but the atmosphere in general was very positive. Obviously, the reaction to Liam Richardson was great and very much well-deserved. Really really enjoyed a good bit of humour as well at times. I quite liked, uh, you know, the way that James Beattie and the other coaches talked about Lange and his uh, and his problems with his bookings. they <laughs> uh, said they spent about 90 minutes with it the other day going through each each of the bookings. So, uh, really enjoyed it, yeah. It was well-hosted as well. And I think uh, you might have some... News, aren't you, on uh, Chris Milo and what he said in that uh, in, in it,
0: Barry? Good afternoon, Chris. I take it you listen. <laughs> or you listened to it last week's anyway, because we got a, a shout touch. so that was quite good. Talking of show touch. let's move on. We missed a game yesterday, and we're all feeling uh, a little bit frustrated about that, as we've mentioned, because we like watching the Latics. Tuesday evening, we're going uh, making reacquaintance with a, a club that we've not played for quite a, quite a while now, almost 20 years. Uh, we've got Cambridge United away. We're off down the Abbey Stadium. So let's have, let's have some ref watch.
2: The referee on Tuesday night will be Declan Bourne, who's from Nottinghamshire. And this will be his second season as a Nationalist list referee. Last season, he was in charge of two Latics games, both of which were at the DW Stadium. of straw against Fleetwood in the January, where he gave no cards, no penalties. But he was also in charge for the 2-0 win over Crew in April, which was a little more instant-packed, as the Alex defender Omar Beckles received a red card for chopping down Callum Lang in the box as he was about to strike for goal. And Lee Evans converted the resultant penalty. Card watch for games. Declan Bourne has refereed twelve games, given out fifty-one yellows, one red, and six penalties this season, and that's Declan Bourne who will be your referee on Tuesday night.
0: And uh, just to reiterate, he's on the national list. He isn't a nationalist. He said he came across that that he's a nationalist referee. So I thought it made me chuckle a little bit, Paul. Though. In the build-up to the game, I've said we've, we've reacquainted ourselves with Cambridge United, or we are going to do, and I've reacquainted myself with one of their fans, Jordan wooland from Under the Abbey Stand podcast, which, of course, is what the ground's known as, the Abbey Stadium. And we had a great chat today, and if you listen to nothing else on this podcast, have a listen to what Jordan says about Cambridge United, a great insight, so let's
3: have a listen to him. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Jordan. I'm one of the members of Under the Abbey Stand. We're a Cambridge United specific podcast and fanzine. You can find us on Twitter at Abbey Stand Pod. Uh, We'll be doing a match preview that will go out Monday, Tuesday, uh, give you a little insight into the Cambridge game ahead of your visit. And yeah, we do weekly podcasts. Again, they go out every Monday morning. So the Cambridge season so far, I think is fair to say, has gone better than most people, uh, most United fans have been expecting. I think at the time of recording, we're 14th in the table. I think that's about six or seven places higher than we were probably expecting. Uh, obviously, there's a long way to go. Um, we're in the middle of a very difficult run of fixtures. We've we played Milton Keynes and Rotherham the last two times we've played in the league and lost both of those. And then this week, we welcome both yourself and Sunderland. So arguably, there's a, a case to be made that, We could return zero points from this little run of four fixtures however the games and the form before that run of four started has done and has done us well it has, has done us uh well enough that we're in a position that you know even if we do come through those four games with with no points uh we're still in a very good position we'll probably still be out of the relegation zone and we won't be cut adrift and in terms of expectations for the season, I think for the Cambridge fans, the one thing that we wanted more than anything was to just be competitive. We didn't, you know, we didn't want to be relegated by Christmas and, and cut a drift down the bottom. And, and we've got that. Bonner, uh, Mark Bonner, our manager in the team, even when we've lost, even, you know, like yesterday, we lost 3-1, which is quite heavy when you see the scoreline. We were very competitive in that game for long periods. If you sort of listen and listen to podcasts and read previews at the start of the season, I think everyone had us to finish not just in the bottom four, but to be the very bottom of the pile. I completely understand why those predictions came in. We didn't renew. Well, we didn't keep hold of our our talisman uh, from last season who scored 34 goals. So obviously you'd miss that. The signings we brought in for most people were pretty unrecognisable names. They're not established League One or Championship players. And and we've got a man in charge who is 37, 38 years of age, just going into his second full season as a manager and has never managed this level before. So for an outsider's perspective, I can totally see why many people would have written us off before the season started. I think Cambridge fans, because of what happened last year and the fact that this group of players who, if we're honest, completely overachieved a a sort of a mid-league two level managed to get promoted automatically I think Cambridge fans saw that there was something about this group of players and this management and and there was something there to give us a bit of hope and went into the season expecting us to be in that bottom six to seven clubs but hopefully maybe just have enough to stay up so so far doing pretty well but obviously a long way to go so our man in charge is Mark Bonner, a guy who has a fantastic backstory. He was never a professional footballer. He got into football at quite a young age after leaving school and just wanted to make a career in football. So he joined Cambridge United as a, as a football coach, helping out on our most sort of entry, basic sort of footballing schemes, like the school schemes in the summer, and just worked his way up from there. Was with the club for a long time when we dropped into the conference. Uh, we lost our our funding for our sort of academy and our youth team. So he moved to South End for a few years, uh, and then eventually he came back to us and and looked after the under eighteens and has just proven himself within the club and 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 had a good reputation. So he worked his way up, became part of the first team set up. I think he assisted two or three different managers and and when he got the job in the COVID season, everyone whilst respecting what he had achieved sort of rolled their eyes and and thought oh we've gone with the cheap option here so to be sat in league one is a really humbling experience um a lot of us have eaten our words about uh mark bonner uh but yeah as a coach he's 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 terrific he's one of those kind of you know that sort of crop of sort of a younger coach that's really tactical and driven and and he spends a lot of time looking at games and, and scouting others and I think the best thing that, that we've had with him being in charge is just the fact that the team has this never say die kind of attitude. And we have sort of got results where we've been in games and you sort of think back to sort of previous managers and you think, well, we would have been done and dusted by half time. So he's he's a breath of fresh air. He's one of our own. Whatever happens this season or whatever happens in his career, he'll always have that promotion from last year. So it's a really great story. But In terms of of, of style of play, there's been a big change from from last year in League Two to this year in League One. We rocked up to pre-season and our pitch was a little bit narrower and we moved from playing two up top to playing just the the one up top. I think he's recognised that there are limitations to our, our club and our budget and that we're not going to be able to maybe be as open and as attacking as we were in League Two last season. And... Yeah, as such, our our style this season has been a little bit more defensive. 4-5-1 without the ball. One of our strengths this season has been how well we've we've done out of possession. I think it might be a little bit different on Tuesday night when Wigan visit. We tend to be a little bit more open and and go for it a little bit more when we're at home. So it could be an interesting one uh, on Tuesday night. So whenever I speak to opposing fans to give them a preview of Cambridge and, and talk about uh, sort of key players that can influence the game. The first name that I, I go to is the, um, the Irish Messi, uh, Mr. Wesley Houlihan, who even at the age of 38, 39 is still uh, absolutely terrific. Um, the only downside is uh, he doesn't play Tuesdays, so he definitely won't feature when uh, Wigan visits us in the week. This is part of his arrangement since he's been at the club. He, he only trains two, three days a week. And yeah, doesn't doesn't do the the midweek fixtures. So, for a long time, it's been a, an issue of how we deal without having Hulahan in the team. Obviously, he's our main creative outlet. We've. Become better this season uh, of games without him, and we've got a couple of different options for players to come in and 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 play that third sort of central midfield role. One of them is a a guy you obviously know very well, Mister Jensen Weir, who's on loan for the whole season from Brighton, who didn't play a lot in the opening months of the season, but over the last sort of six to eight weeks has been never present really in in the in the first team um another option is a young lad called ben uh woman who can play that sort of behind the striker role so uh those are a couple of names to, to keep an eye out the main threat for us and i hope he's fit he's not played the last few games although he was an unused substitute on saturday Is a young lad called shiloh tracy uh, he was on loan with us second half of last season uh, he was released by Spurs in the summer and we picked him up. He's one of those players that you get from sort of Premier League academies that are really raw. So every now and then he'll do something which is which is wrong and frustrates you. But when he's getting it right, he's fantastic. He's very quick. He can use both feet. We tend to play him out wide on the right, but he can also play on the left. He can also play off the striker. So if Shiloh Tracy plays, keep an eye out for him because he's very, yeah, like I said, very quick and one of our our main tactics when we sort of soak up the possession that we'll be doing is we need sort of people to carry the ball upfield quite quickly to help out the defense and he's the main guy for doing that my prediction for tuesday night i am torn because um part of me thinks you know maybe maybe the sort of home crowd might get us over the over the line and and maybe get a result that people wouldn't expect and and by that i'm thinking of a nice 1-1 draw Um, but I do have questions over our defence. Um we have uh, you know our main two experienced central defenders are both out. So we're playing a mixture of young lads at the back or or players out of position as center backs and then I look at your front four and that that, that does worry me. So I would love to say 1-1. One, one. I've got a feeling Wigan might edge it 2-1. That's
0: uh, quite excellent though. I mean, he's he's gone for a a one-all draw at the end, but he's uh, he also thinks that we're going to beat them 2-1. Well, I, I mentioned to him that we've won seven away on the trot. If you count that cup game, that's eight. I think we're a better away side than what we are an home side. And, um, you know, so and he, he did mention about one or two problems at the back for, for them with the centre-half, so it could be, it was music to my ears anyway, so uh, I don't know what you made of it, Paul. I'll tell you what else I thought as well. A really, really interesting story with Mark Bonner, who is the current manager of, of Cambridge United. And I think he'll go down in, in Fort Law at that club. He'll be another another uh, John Beck who will be re, uh, revered for years to come.
2: It's almost like an academy graduate coming through as a player, isn't it? And being a good player, you know, starting managing with the academy and coming through to manage the first team. It's it's that same progression. I, I, I think for me, that the, the key thing you've got there is that Paul Mullin is missing. Having banged in goals left, right, and centre for him last season, he's no longer there, so that's a good thing. In- Interestingly, he's dropped down into the National League to go to Wrexham. So I wonder what pay packet may have attracted him there. You know, you win promotion from League Two and then move to a National League side. There's obviously something attracting, isn't there?
0: Mm. And also, um, uh, where's Houlihan? Who doesn't play Tuesdays?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the Tuesday curse. You can do without playing players of the quality of where's Hulan, can't you? You know, even if his legs might have gone, there was always a quality there. Because I know at Norwich, he supplied a lot of the goals that um, Grant Holt scored that would have been what attracted us to, to purchase him, Mr. Holt.
0: I'll, I'll be honest, Paul, I've looked a bit disappointed that uh, Hulan won't be playing because uh, I like watching quality players with us or against us. So that's a little bit of one. But it's good yeah. to see that, Jensen, we are. Is is actually playing first team football? As much as we we don't we're not happy that the academy people were uh, were
2: stripped away from the club, but you know as, on a personal level it is nice to see the lads actually proving what they're worth, isn't it?
0: It is indeed, yeah. And of many previous
1: not played them for a while, but we have got a bit of a history against them. We played them fourteen times, we've won. Five lost to, and we've actually drawn half of the meetings, which is quite interesting because obviously he's predicted predicted a one-one draw. Being five of those draws have actually been uh, one-one. Uh, never been a goalless game when Wigan have played Cambridge, so maybe you get your money on that one on Tuesday. <laughs> First meeting in the eighty-four eighty-five season, nineteenth of October eighty-four uh, in the old Division Three at the Abbey Stadium, and you guessed it. A one-one draw. Uh, the last meeting uh, against them was a four-one win for Wigan Athletic at the uh, what was then the JJB Stadium, and Andy Liddle scored a hat trick uh, in that particular game. And I don't think we've lost to Cambridge since Boxing Day, nineteen ninety-six. So quite quite a considerable period of time. Currently Cambridge, uh, 14th in the league on 22 points. The last five games, they've won two. There's been one draw and two defeats. And I think really, got to say, made a, as our guest stated, made a very good start to the season for a side coming up from League Two.
0: Right, let's have some predictions because we're uh, quickly running out of time. Paul, you go first.
2: Right, if we run out of time, I'll be dead quick. I'll say 2-0, wattics
0: I'm going to go
1: for a 3-0 win to Wiggum.
0: I actually told Jordan that I thought he'd finish 1-1. But I said it very much tongue in cheek. If Lackey says they're going to open up and come at us, I think we're going to pick them off and it'll be 3 1 to Wigan Athletic. Maybe drop a goal behind and then just react. Just before we do finish, I'd like to mention if you haven't seen this, Carl Stockton for Markham away at Fleetwood yesterday, an absolute stunning goal. This lad's really making a name for himself at 27 years of age. He's uh, uh, at the forefront of everything that Markham's doing at the moment. Check his goal out. He's already won two goals the month. I'm sure he's going to win November's with this one as well. An absolute stunning goal. We'll be back on Wednesday, as usual, where we will have all the reaction to Cambridge's uh, game, unless, of course, it gets postponed. And we'll look forward to going down to playing the Pilgrims down in Plymouth.
1: And Toilet Talk will be back because I'm making the trip to Cambridge just for that reason.
0: Bang on time it's a goodbye from me and goodbye from us hope to come on